0: from reminder media this is stay paid a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business hosted by the vp of marketing josh Steke, and reminder media's president luke akery so get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. I'm excited. I know. am excited I for this tell. interview. You can feel the energy.
1: Yeah, you can feel the energy. We're in the new studio, and Josh told me before we came in to this <laughs> recording, he said, I can tell in this new studio you don't have the energy.
2: The energy's a little lower. To. And I said,
1: yeah, it's because I have the earpiece yeah. in my ear, and it makes me just feel like I can't move. It's like secret agent here. But I'm excited for today because the guy we have on, and I'll let you introduce him in. Sure. But I can tell this guy has done many, many podcasts, and he is probably going to out-interview us, on a, and he's the
2: guest. <laughs> so it's going to be great. It's going to be a great podcast. Love it. Well, like Luke said, Jay Coulter, he is our guest today, and he is the founder of Resilient Wealth, a firm specializing in providing outsourced financial planning, investment research, and business coaching to select independent advisory firms. He is also the host of the Resilient Advisor podcast. And the author of three books, including *The Resilient Advisor* and *The Resilient Advisory Business*, he's joining us today to talk about how you can grow your professional network, influence others, and become a thought leader in your industry. And he also has a very generous gift that he's going to be offering the audience. Yes, but you have to stay till the end of the podcast to get that URL.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that is what is called a teaser.
2: That's a teaser in marketing. That's a teaser.
1: (laughs) Jay, welcome to the podcast.
0: (laughs) Excellent job with the teaser, Josh. Yes.
1: He's a pro at this. Jay, man, super excited to have you on. I know you told us just before we got on here, you've been doing podcasting for five years. So I know this is something that you're super used to, but excited to really dive into this topic of being an influencer. How do you be a thought leader in your industry But if you could go ahead and really introduce yourself to the audience, there's a lot of people that probably have never heard of you and don't know kind of what your journey has been. Just tell us kind of the 30,000 foot view of what's brought you to today. You know, how did you get into podcasting and what's brought you kind of to our show today?
0: Yeah, sure. So the really quick version, because nobody wants the long version. I've been in financial services for about 25 years. Most of my time has been spent in asset management. For the past five years, I've run a coaching and consulting practice that's also involved situations where I'm helping financial advisors build financial plans for their clients and model portfolios. And then there's the business coaching component that goes along with that. And what that's enabled me to do is really expand my reach to financial advisors across the country and leverage this podcast. And I know you guys have had this experience to share stories and best practices instead of one-on-one with mm. a wider audience. So that's why I started the podcast about three years ago for the Resilient Advisor, and just like you guys, I have a lot of fun doing it.
1: So why did you call it the Resilient Advisor? Like, uh, what made you go down that road?
0: Yeah, so my first book is called the Resilient Advisor, and my company is called Resilient Wealth, and the theme there. <laughs> Dude, from I feel Resilient a new theme coming on here. I feel like
1: I feel like he's carrying
0: the no. <laughs> That's – yep. Well, so Resilient Advisors is actually not as much of a business coaching book as it is a personal coaching book. To help folks that are struggling through a stressful period in their life, what I have found is that financial advisors struggle at a deeper level and a higher portion of that industry than the nation as a whole. So what I did is I went on and I pulled some of the best practices from the fields of emotional intelligence, mm. positive psychology – uh, and physiological science, and it's, it's really like a research report. Threw it in the book, and then I use that in my coaching practices for folks who are struggling. And if anybody would like a free copy of it, if you go to resilientadvisor.com, I give that book away because that's just good research to help people who are struggling. And that's how I ended up sticking with the term resilient for all the brands. Hey,
1: that's awesome. Hey, I have to ask you before we dive into the thought leader topic, I have to on this. Uh, idea of emotional intelligence, because I don't know if you are a fan or follow Gary Vee at all, uh, but, you know, he is really hammering this home. Like, EQ is the number one skill set you need now in business. Like, when you've looked at, and you I, obviously you did some research for this, book, like, emotional intelligence, like... How would you summarize that for, in your opinion, to the audience, like as a entrepreneur, as a business owner? What does it mean? Because I keep hearing it in, as these influencers. And we're going to talk about how do you become an influencer? How do you become a thought leader? So here's Gary Vee, an influencer, telling us, you know, emotional intelligence, this is key. What's your take on that? I'm just curious what your, your thoughts yeah. are.
0: So I actually did a deep dive on it for the book. And the reason I did that is I found that it was an area that I typically thought was, or traditionally had thought of as, let's call it fluffy. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't really see the benefit of using it to better myself until I found myself really overwhelmed with stress. Mm -hmm. And the stress that comes with being an entrepreneur, a financial advisor, a real estate agent is real. And that roller coaster that you go on, Gary V talks about it, Darren Hardy talks about it. You have to have the fortitude to stick with it. And that requires that emotional intelligence. There's a real easy analysis out there inside of a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. It's a $30 book. It's worth taking that short little quiz and it'll really show you where you're strong and where you're weak. And what I have found from after using that assessment with clients, using it with myself. The folks that have built long-term sustainable businesses have a very high level of empathy. And that's what enables them to build the teams and manage through the ups and downs of this business.
1: Yeah, it's like a self-awareness. Like being able to be aware is what Mm -hmm. I've found is so, so critical. Especially like I talk to our team here at Reminder Media all the time that so often in life you live within your four walls. And you get consumed within your four walls, like in our four walls of our building at Reminder Media, mm-hmm. and you lose sight of the world, the great world out there. But if you just elevate your perspective, your awareness, it puts everything into focus and allows you to execute in a different way. And it's like if you're struggling, I've always given the people the example like, hey, if you're struggling right now, if you, you know, you've got to put yourself in perspective. What about the people who are waking up today that have to walk three miles to get their water? Right? You know, all of a sudden you start thinking that way and it it gives you different perspective and enables you what you're talking about, which I think is so critical and such a, we could do a whole podcast on this. The roller coaster ride of business, like being your own entrepreneur, even if you're just in sales right now listening to this, the the roller coaster ride, the ups and downs and how you have the fortitude to press through is just such a hard thing. And that's why I think 87% of real estate agents fail. I've heard, Upwards to 90% of financial advisors fail within a couple years. And I really think it's not really because of the tactics they're using, though that plays into it. I think it's because of their ability to have like to persevere, like to, mm-hmm. to press on when they're down in that low valley to press on. And and that really comes back to and we can start talking about this idea of becoming a thought leader in your in growing your network. Because one of the things that people struggle with is like my brother. When he's down, so my brother, um, he started in real estate three years ago, and one of the hardest things for him was to overcome this just, I don't know where my next deal is coming from, I don't know how to generate leads, it creates this really just stress on you, and you start becoming frantic, and that's really the number one question we get on this podcast all the time is, Luke, I'm in business, I'm a financial advisor, I'm brand new, I'm in real estate, even if maybe it's a veteran person that's just not getting the deals anymore that they used to get. How do I start generating leads? I think one of the great ways to do it is by building your professional network, by becoming a thought leader. So I'm curious, can you give us your you know, kind of high-level overview of what you believe growing your professional network? Like how should someone go about that and what does it mean to be a thought leader to your professional network? If you can kind of give us your overview and then we'll kind of get into some of the details of it.
0: Yeah. So, and I think it's applicable to folks if they're just starting in the business, whether it's real estate or financial services and they're struggling, or if they're a seasoned professional. You know, whatever the problem is, I've always approached it through the framework of anything can be solved with three things focus, systems, and relationships. Mm-hmm. And if you break down the problem into those three components, what do you need to focus on? What systems need to be in place to make that happen? And then what relationships, who do you need to know to make that happen? you can solve a whole lot of problems. And what I have found, you know, most of my clients are seasoned professionals who are now just now starting to go through the process if we're talking about building a professional network of leveraging the relationships that they have. So this doesn't necessarily apply to the 23-year-old just out of school, but it could. So I have about 200,000 followers on social media. Oh my goodness. Luke, I really don't like social media. I mean, almost to the point where I despise it. But the reason I have it, and it's all been grown organically across a couple of different brands, but I did it because that's where everybody's attention is. Financial advisors are on LinkedIn. I have to be there. Mm-hmm. Financial advisors are on Twitter. I have to be there. If you're selling real estate, the people buying homes in your market are probably on Facebook. You have to be there, unfortunately. And it sounds like you follow uh, Gary V. He put, I mean... You ever need a case for why you need to be on social media, just follow his YouTube channel and he'll articulate it yeah, for you. Yeah, for sure. I'm 46 years old. What I find is most folks my age, maybe a little bit younger and up, just are overwhelmed with the whole concept of it. So, breaking it down into a system that can help them be authentic in that growth and then attack their market, their network, really using the three things that matter. You know, a digital touch, a tactile touch, and then a personal touch. Mm. Because I'm afraid most people get turned off by these spammy, canned social media programs that get marketed to them all day, instead of incorporating all three of those components in their networking process.
1: So when you coach somebody, so if I'm like a financial advisor coming to you for coaching and and I'm going to grow my professional network, so one of the strategies is obviously on on the digital realm, so the social channels. Like walk me through, like how do I pick what social channels to be on? Should I be on all of them? And then how did you, I'm curious for myself, like, how did you grow to 200,000 followers, especially like, no offense to the financial services industry, but <laughs> it doesn't seem that, you know, in financial advisors, that's a huge place where financial advisors are, but yet you've proven to be really successful in it. How did, how have you done that? How would you coach someone to start building that network?
0: Yeah. So, uh, any of my clients listening know there's a whole bunch of work that goes in before you ever get to this point in the process. Uh, so when we get to the point where we're talking about building a marketing system, and generally, Luke, when advisors reach out to me cold, they have one of two problems. They want to grow their business. They don't know how, and they're getting spanned by social media marketers, and they think that's the route they need to go, or their business is a mess. Mm. So say they already have the systems in their business, and they just want to learn how to grow The first thing we want to do is build a system or a chassis to go and make sure they can stay in touch with the people that are already inside their network. That involves a a simple process of, A, choosing a CRM if you want to use a CRM to stay in touch with the people in your network, or, B, using an Excel workbook, which I'm happy to give the tool that we use to your listeners at the end of this podcast. Awesome. And then because I'm a coach and a consultant, I have to put a name on everything or else it's not yours, right? Right. And so this system we call the Pinger System. Nice. And the Pinger System is something that I've hijacked from several different people out there. But the core book I took it from came out in the 90s from Keith Ferrazzi. And the title was Never Eat Alone. And in there he postulates that if you build a systematized process to stay in touch with people, a reminder system, on a regular basis, if you systematize it, you can stay in touch with more people than you ever thought possible. And that's what I have found throughout my whole career. So in building out the Pinger system, it starts with, and let's walk through an example. Whether you are a realtor or a financial advisor, you start with your existing network. And you go through that network, and you wanted to figure out who do you need to stay in touch with and stay top of mind with throughout the rest of your career. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them, but you want to make sure that you're pinging them on a regular basis. After you go through that exercise and here's a trick if you have any type of followers on LinkedIn you can just download those and you'll have most people will have over 500 people just to start there. You go through and you put them into one of three buckets. And it's three buckets and it's this simple because I used to make it complicated and complicated systems don't get results. Amen. So these three buckets get
1: used. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. So the three buckets are this. Somebody that I need to ping once a month, once a quarter, Or twice a year, and that's it. Hmm. My original pinger systems, when I first started coaching, had seven, eight different call cycles or ping cycles, and that just got too complicated. What I have found is after advisors go through that exercise of just segmenting their existing network, and then they start pinging them, and I'll describe a ping in a minute, they find they get instant results. And Hmm. I can share some stories here after we get through the end of this process. And it's not because the pinger systems magic or Jay Coulter taught them something they didn't know. Luke, it just teaches them to do what they should have been doing all along anyway, which is staying in touch with their existing network.
1: So what is the, like, describe like a ping to me, because what I love so far that I'm hearing, which I totally agree with you, very simplistic, it's literally doing what they know they need to do, but almost like systematizing it, which in a way forces you to do it. Um, it, But what is a ping in your mind?
0: Yeah. All right. So the loose definition of a ping... By design is just a quick, casual greeting that can be done one of many different ways. So when I got started in financial services, I sat in a bullpen at an old firm called Dean Witter. That got swallowed up by Morgan Stanley. The only way I could ping somebody was picking up a phone and cold calling them. Yep. I did 400 of those a day because that's what you did in the 90s. Or I could write them a note. If you cold called somebody once a week, you're going to annoy them pretty quickly. If you do it once a month, they're not going to do business with you either. <laughs> then... Then email came out, and that gave you the opportunity to ping people with messages that are positive and adding value, and then the market got flooded with email marketing, which still works, but it got overused like it does with all marketers. But then social media came along, and what social media gives you the ability to do is to ping somebody that you might not have thought you needed to touch four times a year because you didn't have the time to necessarily pick up the phone and call them. But you can jump on their LinkedIn profile and like a story. You can go and jump on Facebook, like a picture of their grandkids, or post something about what they're doing. And it gives you the ability to stay top of mind with more people than you ever thought possible in even less time.
1: So why have you found, because I'm curious for my, because... You know, the world of touch points, and I think of, like, uh, Gary Keller's millionaire real estate agent, and he talks about 33 touches. I don't know if you've ever, you know, read that book or not. But what have you found in, like, the pings you talked about, like, you know, twice or once a quarter? You know, how how do you kind of measure how many times you should reach out to somebody? Like, how do I know what bucket they should be in? And when I hear it, I go, man, that sounds too little. But you're saying you have found that to be more successful than an eight-touch or seven-touch. So I'm just curious, like, what you've seen there
0: as you've coached people. So there's an art to it. And let's be clear, this is not a sales funnel. These are people that you know and have a relationship. If you picked up the phone and call them, they'd say, hey, Luke, how are you doing? There's some type of communication. Mm. So whether you're doing it through a social media platform or phone call or text, they know you when they receive that particular ping. There's a whole other systems, as you know, in the click funnel world and the sales process world where it makes sense. But in building authentic relationships, and I actually heard you mention this on a podcast I listened to in prepping for this. I call it the KLT principle because I got to put acronyms on everything cuz I'm a coach. People do <laughs> That's all. You awesome. called it you said I was listening to you and you said, "Yeah, you know, people do business with those they know like and trust." And I thought, "Oh, here's a great circular reference for Luke." But that's really it. And so this process enables you to do that, but there're really three different modes to doing that effectively. So, the first is the digital touch, which is what we're talking about here. That's easy for marketers to sell to real estate agents and financial advisors, especially if it's all outsourced because it seems like they don't have to do any work. Right. What I'm suggesting with the Pinger system is it needs to be authentic and you need to do it and complement other stuff. But the two other components are a tactile touch, sending something in the mail where the, the, it's not as noisy, it's not as crowded. Like your American Lifestyle magazine. There's a realtor in my neighborhood who sends one of those to us. We get it, I believe, quarterly. We ever go to sell our house she is top of mind you know another some of my coaching clients will send out a hard copy newsletter and it doesn't even really matter what the content is it's an extra touch that is right. physical and tactile so you have the digital you have the tactile and the thing that most people don't do anymore that i've seen have the biggest edge is picking up the phone and making a phone call Dude, amen, to amen to that
1: seriously so that this serves an applause in our studio You are, you are so, it's so crazy. It's like every person we interview, like the coaches and the successful people, there is a common theme. I want to point out to all the listeners is one of the common themes that has to happen is it has to be authentic. So when you're touching base with people, it has to be authentic of who you are. Like it has to be really from you, but it also has to be personal Right, So you can't just totally automate your relationships away. It has to be personal. And then there's this idea of this real relationship that you actually have to talk to these people face-to-face. And we see this over and over again from successful coaches. But I think where people fall down is what you're saying, which is a golden nugget. We fall down because we do an email marketing drip. Program, and we think we got our drip taken care of, care of, and then we wonder why we're not getting referrals and why people aren't, we're not top of mind with people. And it's because it's all it is, is just an automated more noise to that person. And that's been the whole, you know, as you know, you mentioned American Lifestyle Magazine. It's been the premise of our whole company is like, how do we send something that's not noise, that's actually personal, that people will actually perceive as a gift? They'll actually enjoy it. It won't come across as salesy to them. And at the same time, gives the advisor or the real estate agent the potential to do what you talked about at the end, which is pick up that phone and call that person that they sent it to. And imagine right. this imagine you call my wife, Megan. And you talk to her and you go the extra mile. It's not just, hey, Megan, sent you something in the mail. want to make sure you got it. It's, hey, Megan, sent you American Lifestyle Magazine. And there was a vegetarian recipe in that magazine. I know you're a vegetarian. It made me think of you. And I just wanted to call you and point that out. I think you and Luke should try it. I think you'll love it. I tried it last weekend. It's That's the the whole differentiator that I've seen is that the people who are so good are the people who go the one extra step. They don't just do an email marketing drip or they don't just do a mailer monthly, but they take it that one extra step and they turn what you're talking about, which is this personal touch. And that's what generates the referrals. That is what generates because I've always associated with impact. And I think, are, do you know Brian Buffini at all? Do you, have you ever heard of Brian Buffini? He's a coach in I the real not. estate industry. But he talks about creating buzz. And he, t- he does, he coaches this thing called pop buys, where you pop by your client's house unexpected and you bring them something and it might ketchup, be a Yeah, a ketchup bottle. Yeah. Hey, I want to catch up with you. Here's some ketchup <laughs> and mustard for your barbecue during the summer or cookies or something. But you're creating a buzz. And he talks about a buzz, it it's creates this gratitude. It, and ultimately, if you create impact with somebody, it triggers reciprocity. And people want to reciprocate. They want to, if they feel valued, if they feel like impacted, they want to reciprocate it back. And I just want to point that out that, guys, every guest that is a successful coach in their industry, this is financial advising, and we heard this from Sean Carpenter, and he's a coach in real estate. in the industry people because humans, people. yeah, people yeah. are people. Yeah. That's the best way to say it, people are people.
0: If you're a financial advisor and are only connecting with men, you're neglecting half of your business right out of the gate. Women make up half of the workforce and by 2030, they're expected to control half of the nation's wealth. But if you find yourself struggling to gain or keep female clients, there's hope. Go to remindermedia.com retention and download our free guide to retaining female and next generation clients. That's ReminderMedia.com slash retention. But don't wait. Take action on this today.
1: So I have a question for you. What has you excited then about the financial services industry? You know, so like as you look towards the future, right? Because we're talking about building your professional network. We're talking about, you know, personal touches with people. But what has, what has you excited when you look towards the financial services industry as you're looking towards the future? And what would you share with financial advisors listening to this?
0: Yeah, I I really appreciate that question because I do get excited about the future for financial advisors because most that I run across are very down on the future. They're worried about what's coming. They're worried about uh, the economy and a potential bear market. And I've got to tell you- I'm worried about what's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me if you
1: know when it's going to (laughs) turn. Anybody who says they do, they just have something to sell you. Yeah, exactly. That's actually, that's a golden nugget, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs)
0: So the industry research tells us that there are four things that are really going to drive the next 10 years, and I think those things are going to help make it the most, most fruitful time for financial advisors that are prepared. These four trends are really easy to identify, too, but really looking at the numbers is what gets me excited. And the first is the demographics of financial advisors. So research from Deloitte and Ernest and Young tell us that the average 56 percent of advisors are over the age of 50, hmm. but more importantly, 43 percent of advisors are over the age of 55, hmm. and 40 percent of those plan to retire over the next 10 years. Given that data, you know that there is a shortage of financial advisors out there, but here's the most impactful number for people who plan on being business in business over the next 10 years. Luke, can you guess what percentage of financial advisors are under the age of
1: 30? 10%. I was going to say 8%.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. So the number's 5. Generally, I hear 20 to 25%. <laughs> Only 5%. So the math tells us that's there's crazy. going to be a big problem, and yeah. Deloitte tells us that we're going to need 240,000 professionals in this industry. Really? So what that means if you're an advisor – you're already in the seat. You're already seasoned, and yeah, you're you about just to head need into the a
1: golden era. The
0: yeah. golden era it's like you just need to have the focus, the systems, and the relationships to take advantage of that opportunity over the next ten years. Because during that ten years, the second big driver of the U.S. demographics, so the demographics for the U.S. consumer, as it relates to what a financial advisor should know, is that fifty-eight trillion dollars are going to move over the next forty years. That's a big number. It's hard to even get your head around. But 46 of that will be accumulated by Gen X and Gen Y by the end of the decade. Hmm. $46 trillion will be, not in baby boomers' hands, Gen X and Gen Y. And $18 trillion of that will come from inheritance. An inherited business usually moves to a new advisor right. 90% of the time. Again, if you're a financial advisor, that is having insane. focus you have focus systems and relationships, you can capitalize on that opportunity. Is it purely so, in your mind, oh,
1: sorry, because I think that is just an insane stat. Is it, in your, is it purely in your mind because the advisor literally has no relationship with the people who are gonna inherit the money?
0: Yeah. So I believe that there's a dogma that older advisors don't have relationships with the next generation because they see data like this. But what I'm seeing in the marketplace, because of technology, which is another one of the drivers of the next 10 years, Advisors that are in Gen X and older can build those relationships because, you know what, that millennial will get on an e-money account and set up their budgeting account. They'll get on free websites and give their Social Security numbers and their balance sheets and income statements. There's an opportunity there for advisors that want to think forward mm. and focus on what's important and build those systems. So technology is really going to help those advisors capitalize on that trend, but they really haven't done it to date for the most part. And in the last driver, and I'd be curious in what your thoughts are on this as it relates to real estate, is the coming bear market. So I'm 46 years old. We know another bear market's coming in the equity markets. I don't know when. I don't think anybody knows when. Right. But I lived through 1999 and 2000 and sat down with families as their financial lives had fallen apart. And I did the same thing again in 2008 and 2009. And the advisors that are getting ahead of it, preparing their families for it, being a financial planning-based practice, they are going to be in a position to really come out of the next bear market leaps and bounds above their competition, which really is going to set them up for the rest of the decade. How do you think that's going to impact realtors as we go through the next bear market?
1: No, I think it's a great question. I think in order to survive, two ways I think about it. One is I have a mindset of abundance. So even in recession markets and bear markets, people still have to move. Right, people are still gonna be buying and selling homes. So I think a lot of times we we freak ourselves out kind of as business owners as, no, no one's buying and selling, there's gonna be no one out there. It's You're gonna feel the squeeze on the market, but life still goes on. People still get new jobs, they still have to move, they still have kids, they they need bigger homes, their kids still go to college, they need to downsize. So I think a lot of it has to do with mindset, and you have to have a mindset of abundance, and a mindset of there are still people that need your expertise. But that leads me to the second point, which is more important, which is the strategy. If you wanna survive in the bear market, if you wanna survive when the recession hits, you better have a strong database of relationships because everything is going to hinge on how much people, and I'll reference it again, know, like, and trust you. And the main factor in that is gonna be the trust factor because you're gonna, meaning that know and like is all well and good, but if I feel like I've lost a lot of money because whatever's happened in the stock market or something like that, I wanna go to the person I can trust that's going to advise me the correct way. I always tell real estate agents, you're like a Sherpa, you're like a guide. So imagine you're climbing Mount Everest. Well, people can climb Mount Everest on their own. You can get a GPS phone, you can get the hiking gear, but I'm not gonna climb Mount Everest on my own. I want a Sherpa to guide me up the mountain because that person's been there. Someone I can trust that's done it before. Real estate agents have got to get themselves in the mindset of, I'm the guide. And they've got, in their pitch in a way, it's got, I've been here before. I've done this before. Don't you worry. We've been around for decades. It's like you said, even if you sat down with me right now as a client and you told me, hey, I sat down in 99 in in 2000. I sat down in 2008. That alone, that statement alone builds so so much trust with that person. So it's going to be a real focus strategy-wise on... It's got to be about relationships. And keep in mind, guys, that people who are listening to this, relationships don't start in, in the bear market. They start now. So meaning like... If you're not building the relationships now, I'm not saying it's too late, but good gosh, get on it. Start doing these touch this pinger system, implement that literally yesterday. Start touching getting these people into the buckets and start touching these people and doing the personal touch with them. That's the advice I would give them immediately. And then it's just going to be about that what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, this perseverance mindset. It's perseverance. It's it's, you know, it's how much you can persevere cuz people the the Strong will survive. The prepared will survive. And the people who have the strong relationships will, will survive uh, throughout the market, the next downturn. We saw it in, what was it,
2: 2008? Saw the same thing. We saw the exact same thing. I mean, exact the people that the the number of realtors, what, almost dropped in half? Like, it went down like 800,000 realtors, right, at some point? It was insane realtors. amount. The people that stayed, and this is something, obviously, that we have a passion about because it's a it's a product in which we produce. But we had that trouble in our business where we would see... We would, we would lose clients. The ones that stayed with it were the ones that came out the other end so successful because they maintained the, the and they were, relationship. They were yep. playing the long game.
1: Yep. We used to tell people they would go to cancel the product in the recession. And we would tell them, no, 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 now's the most important time. What's the best day to go to the gym? The day you don't want the to go. The day you don't want to go. <laughs> and it wasn't a sales pitch. To, I mean, obviously, everything's a sales pitch in life. But it wasn't a sales pitch from the perspective of, oh, don't cancel my product. I want you to keep paying me. It's no, 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 no. Your relationships matter even today when you're feeling the squeeze. They matter. And if you stay consistent, your consistency will win. Your consistency will win over time. It's the small sum of cumulative, or it's the small efforts, it's the sum of small efforts, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that really ends up in success. It's not just the one flash in the pan, the the one bang that's going to get you successful. So, you know, I guess um, my question to you would be, you know, as you look towards advisors capitalizing on this new opportunity out there, you know, we, we're talking about building your professional network. We're talking about your thought leadership. And, like, what can advisors do from a tactic standpoint? You know, social media was one. What are some of the other ways that they can become a thought leader, that they can build these strong relationships, that they could literally start taking action on?
0: So, there's a lot of noise in my marketplace, the financial advisor space, about niching down. And it's been around for a while. It's really picked up steam here recently because the statistics are telling us advisors are getting results when they do get into those niches. You know, whether it's the folks at the XY Planning Network that are strong advocates of it, or the bigger wirehouses like the Morgan Stanleys and UBSs that are encouraging their advisors to do it. What I have found is the independent advisors that have more flexibility to more flexibility with their marketing as they niche. Well, they really have a competitive edge. Because they can go out and start running social media marketing campaigns focused on that niche. And the example I always use, because I don't want anybody to use it, are you know dentists in the southeast, because there are a lot of folks that cover dentists in the southeast. <laughs> but the advisors that do have that niche can focus not only their social media marketing in that uh, in that direction, but they can go and get into their industry trade publications. They can go to their conferences. They can meet with their COIs and their vendors and become the thought leader in that space. I've had several folks on my podcast solely because I thought they had great niches mm. and they weren't even the best interview, but they were able to articulate their niche proposition mm. to their audience and build great businesses.
1: That's actually a really, really good marketing point um, is that everybody can take away is what is your niche? And I think a, a way you can determine that is, is if you've done business before, who are the people that are naturally coming to you? and working with you? It, like as an advisor, segment your book of business, what does it look like? And if you're a real estate agent, do you tend to work with first time home buyers? As, or you tend to work in the luxury market? Do you tend to work with families who are buying their second home? Like where is it that you're focused? Because the more focused you can get, the better your messaging will be, which ultimately will translate usually into the better marketing that you can do and the responses that you can get. And I love the idea that you're saying is once you find your niche, if, you, or if you're the guy in the southeast that only works with dentists, now you can literally target all your marketing, but this idea of being a thought leader by going to the publications that talk to dentists, or going to the networking events that, talk, that have dentists associated with it, I think it's a fantastic way to start, all, obviously, almost like the, I call it the Dave Matthews model, where you kind of start in the center and you just start circling your way out to own the industry. And so you think about your marketing that way as, hey, okay, I only work with dentists, now. I'm going to go find all the trade publications that dentists actually get sent. Now I'm going to go find the networking events and be at all those. And so you're almost like omnipresent in the way you're attacking it.
0: Yeah. Yep. And, you know, the folks that are in the niches, too, can also better serve their clients in financial services because there's a common language that they then learn. And they're a, because of that common language and the commonality of their problems, they're able to bring those solutions to people that are experiencing those exact same problems. So it's actually probably the right thing to do to niche down.
1: So let me ask you this. Everything you teach has some root, it seems, in, like, academics and research, what do you lean on for your professional networking
2: systems?
0: Yeah, and, and the reason that is is because, I, I mean, I'm a nerd at heart. I mean, I have more industry designations than I really should bother with. Uh, I'm a financial <laughs> planner, and investment manager by design. I just didn't found I was good at this coaching. So when I started building out the networking, I didn't want it to be fluffy. And there's a great book out there that I think should be required re- reading for anybody in the sales field called Influence by Robert C. Aldini. Mm-hmm. And in there, he outlines the six triggers uh, of influence, which are really sales triggers, to use our language. And for them, they're built right into the pinger system. And those are the triggers of reciprocation. Ooh, I always butcher that. Reciprocation. Yeah. Look, I did it again.
1: Reciprocation.
0: <laughs> reciprocation. I've, I've done that on a I stage say in front of 400 people. I don't, I don't reciprocity.
1: know.
0: Reciprocity. <laughs> Podcast is much easier than a stage to botch that one. <laughs> the second one. You've already touched on that one and I've already butchered the word. The second trigger is liking. We're hardwired as humans to like people that like us. Mm. And good gosh, all the social engineering and psychologists working on these social media platforms have made that incredibly easy. The third is social proof. You know, when you see an advertisement that says nine out of 10 dentists recommend this toothbrush, well, it's the idea that, you know, this, that toothbrush or the New York Times bestseller is valid because all these other people are using it. Right. Right. And you know the pinger system helps you establish that as you go through the routine of pinging. And then the last is authority because once you get into that niche and you're pinging and building relationships deliberately in a niche, you naturally become that authority on that topic. And so the science behind those four triggers is absolute. And that's why I wanted to make sure they're baked into that process.
1: So you've talked a little bit about your Pinger system, especially when it comes to like the, you know, digital side, tactile, the personal touch. Can you give us like, is there, can you give us like the overall system if you were walking through uh, someone, if someone wanted to do this whole Pinger system, what would that look like?
0: Yeah, so I tell you what, here's what it looks like at a high level. If somebody chooses to download the workbook to get this done, this is an Excel workbook where once you put your names into the pinger system, you put them in their buckets monthly, quarterly, or twice a year. It actually tells you who you need to ping in which month. It does all the work for you. And there's also an ebook there that'll go into more detail on how this works. But it's, it's pretty simple. It's the who, what, how, where, when, you know, who are you going to touch? You need to go through your network and figure out exactly who can have the most influence, or I'm sorry, have any influence on your business over the course of your career, not just next quarter or next transaction. I love that. And then, you know, what and how, you know, what system are you going to use? An Excel workbook or a CRM, which I'd highly recommend. You know, we discussed earlier the types of pings, whether you're picking up the phone to call somebody or touching them on social, text, email. And then when you do it, that's just a function of going through the process of determining whether it's going to be monthly, quarterly, or annually. You know, one time I built this system for someone. and He said, Coulter, this is so simple, my eight-year-old could have put this together. I can't believe I'm paying you money for it. And, you know, and I said, that's why you're paying me. me."
1: But you are also saying you don't want to pay me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you have like, um, you know, I'm just curious for myself, like, You've obviously coached a lot of people. Do you have like success stories of people, you know, going through this Pinger system? What has that turned out for you?
0: Yeah. So, uh, financial advisors, my age and older, generally tend to be cynical and a little bit grumpy. And <laughs> no what comment. you will find is they they they're not really open to change. So, I was sitting down with a longtime client when I rolled out this program four years ago, and the first step after you build your technology. And you buy into the process is to figure out who you're putting in it initially. And so his exercise was to go through his LinkedIn profile and his Rolodex, segment them monthly, quarterly, or, or biannually, and then and then start pinging. And the last thing he said to me before I leave his office, he said, Jay, this isn't going to work, but I'm paying you, so I guess I'll do it. Hmm. And I'm driving back to Atlanta where I live the next day, and the phone rings, and I see his name on the phone, and I think, oh, man, he's about to fire me. And he said... Jay, you're not going to believe this. I called so-and-so, and I hadn't spoken to that old son of a gun in 10 years. In fact, he was a former client. And he said, I'm glad you called. <laughs> I'm about to retire, and I don't know what to do with all these stock options. Is that something you could help me with? Luke, it was a $15 million account for this advisor. <laughs> and I have story after story That's about that. And it's not because the Pinger system is magic. It just forces you to go back it's and authentically touch people that you should have been touching all along. The gold's already in your network. And you can add additional gold through sales and marketing programs, but it's already there if you're a seasoned professional.
1: That's, the, that's a golden nugget, man, it's so true. It's like, so much of what you need to run your business is right in front of you. But we see, and I just did a webinar on this last week, is that you, if you look at the data, especially in the real estate industry, is the majority of transactions that are done? It's like freaking 64% of all listings come from your call it your SOI, it's referral and repeat business. It comes from your relationships. And that's 64% of all transactions. But when you look at where agents spend their time, energy, and money, most agents are spending all their time, energy, and money chasing new leads. On the strangers, on the strange, it's so <clears throat> crazy, yeah. it's nuts, and you see it in the financial service. And it's, I think, is, and I'd be curious to get your opinion on this. I think it's because with your friends, you don't want to be the insurance salesman. Like that's the classic how we all see it's like every the insurance you always know is an insurance. I'll, I'll rag on my friend Keith. He's like it's all he talks about is insurance. insurance. And he's, he he finally sold me insurance here at Reminder Media, but it's like. I think you just are nervous with your sphere of influence, your true relationships, to be kind of like the sales guy. And you're thinking about it all wrong. And this is why I love Ricky Carruth. If you don't know of Ricky Carruth, yeah, you should check him out. He's a free real estate coach in real estate. He's really taking off. He has like 20,000 people now that are, he's coaching. But he just changes the simple mindset for real estate agents and goes, just make it about helping. Mm-hmm. The people in your database. It's not about selling them anything. It's about literally, hey, how can I help you? My expertise is real estate, so how can I help you? Is there anything I can do to help you? And it's literally changes just the whole mindset, and it's still the pinger type system. You're touching base with people, but just that simple mindset enables all these real estate agents to now start making calls to their sphere, and it's just a different mindset. I'm not calling as a real estate agent. Even though I am, I'm just calling check-in. See how things are going, see if I can help you in any way, and see how life is. And it starts building that relationship. So I think that's such a powerful, powerful thing to focus on. So I got to ask you because we ask this question to everybody who comes on the podcast, and I'm curious to hear what your take is. You know, I'm just a you know, hungry person for the magic formula for success. it's why I almost in a way do this podcast I guess I don't know it's like I want to know what is it that it would take you know the articles that attract me are like the seven steps to a perfect morning to be a millionaire and stuff like that it's like what's the routine there's no magic formula out there but I'm curious for you as you look back on not only your career which has been really successful but now you have all these clients you coach and they've been successful what routines do you see that people should implement in their life to drive success? What are the routines that you've implemented?
0: Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in routines. They've had a real impact on my life personally. So in fact, the book I offered earlier, The Resilient Advisor, which you can download a free copy at resilientadvisor.com, it, it, it outlines 36 different things you can do to help build a daily routine to mitigate stress and have an impact on your professional development. Oh, that's awesome. So in there, I outlined the top 10 things that I've seen work for financial advisors. But to answer your question, and all these are researched ideas from the fields of emotional intelligence, uh, uh, positive psychology, and physiological science. But I know every day that if I do not exercise, I do not at least eat one healthy meal, either a really vegetable-dense salad or some type of uh, fruit smoothie, and if I don't spend an hour a day reading something positive, inspirational, or biographical of somebody that I respect, it has an impact on my day and my mindset. So those are the three things that I try to anchor my day with in the morning. And I have found in my coaching practice, especially if somebody is struggling, if we just start with exercise and get that into the routine, it has a dramatic impact on their life.
1: You know, it's, I've always kind of seen it as uh, body, mind, and spirit as you've heard probably that saying before, but it is truly that. It's like it's if you feed your body healthy-wise, meaning you go to the gym, you eat healthy, that will have a dramatic effect. Then also you have to feed your mind, and that's going to be the books you read. It's going to be the YouTube videos you watch, the podcasts you listen to. So thank you all for listening to Stay Paid. Please write a review. No. You're <laughs> 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 and then and then the third would be your spirit. It's that that you know, hey, you know, whether it's your spiritual, wherever you're at, but f- basically feeding that side of your journey is like those three things when I find myself drifting, I look to those three things and every single time it's because one of those three areas of my life is really really lacking that, you know, I'm not feeding that side. And you're like a bank account and you're making withdrawals. But you got to also make deposits. I mean, if you don't make deposits into the bank account, there's nothing to withdraw from. And so I think it's such good advice. So what would you go back and tell younger Jay? Like, what advice would you give your younger self, knowing what you know now?
0: Yeah, so all of my brands have the word resilient in it now. And that's, Mm. that's actually by design. So early in my career, I experienced a whole lot of success. I found myself in 2008 at a company called Lehman Brothers. And when Lehman Brothers went out of business, my whole world yeah. fell apart. And so my younger self then needed to be told, it's not about getting knocked down, it's about getting back up. And back mm-hmm. then it took me a little longer to get back up than I would have liked. And if I had just known the importance of having a plan and system for doing that, because life throws punsters at you, I was a young kid back then. I didn't know any different. So my advice to that younger kid would be, you know, be resilient, have a system in place, and, and get yourself back up.
2: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Well, hey, we've teased it long enough, yeah, Jay. Yeah, teased it. Why don't we give everyone, before we close here, thank you for being on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, man, you are
1: amazing. First of We all, barely tapped into your knowledge, I can tell.
2: <laughs> you mentioned the books that they can download. Where can they get all of that information? And then where can they get this free resource, this networking tool, this ebook, these videos that you're offering to our listeners?
0: Yep. Absolutely. So the the free book, resilientadvisor.com. Uh, there you can download the book, The Resilient Advisor, and then go to jcoulter.com forward slash stay paid. And on there, you'll be able to download the ebook on how to build a Pinger system. And then the exact workbook tool that I use is an Excel workbook to build your Pinger system. And if you don't want to transfer it into your CRM, you don't have to. You can operate it right there from that Excel file. There'll be some training videos on there as well for listeners.
2: That's awesome. Thank you so much. And real real quick again, that's jculture.com slash staypaid. If you, you can get the link in the show notes to this podcast, but I'll spell it for you as well. J-A-Y-C-O-U-L-T-E-R dot com slash stay paid. I don't think I have to spell stay paid. Well, you never know. S-T-A-Y-P-A-I-D, just in case. Thanks again, Jay, and thank you so much (laughs) for listening to Dive Deeper into this episode and get all the show notes and resources like we mentioned. Go to staypaidpodcast.com. While there, you can also find the videos for all of our episodes. And if you're interested in supporting the show, there are two ways that we ask you to do that. First way is to rate us five stars on iTunes and leave a comment. And the best way is to tell a friend and share about us on our social media. We've talked about the Pinger system. Here on this podcast, this is one of your pings for the week. Yes. All right. You've got the what. The what is to tell someone about this <laughs> podcast. All you have to do is figure out the who, right, and the when. All right. well, When, when this and week, how. This week yeah. and how. Shoot a email, message, send a text, text, message, call someone, tell them about the podcast this week. We appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast at ReminderMedia.com or find us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. And, of course, you can check out Reminder Media on social media. We are at Reminder Media on every platform for this episode of stay paid i'm joshua stike and i'm luke akery guys and i mean i'm just looking at my notes there's so Pick many one, luke action
1: items i love this I, i'm this is not gonna be my action item so I'm, you know this is, i don't know what you call this <laughs> teaser but i love this focus systems in relationships that was great. oh man that was so That's good like hashtag away. like gotta figure out where to focus you gotta find the systems that will help you accomplish on that focus. And then you gotta, how does it help you build the relationships with what people are you actually reaching out to? I love that. It's awesome. Here's what I think is a great action item for you. I really think all of you are gonna go and download this ebook. You'd be crazy not to, to download this Pinger system and to learn about that. It's free, Jay's giving it to you. But I really think it would be powerful for you to download your database from your CRM. Maybe you have it in Excel. And go through this process of who, what, how, where, and when. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be so powerful for you to even just go and think about the people that you have on your list in that kind of framework. Because then you're immediately going to find out a couple things. The most important thing is when was the last time you talked to this person? (laughs) And why are they on your list? And then do what Jay's talking about, put them in these buckets. Are you gonna talk to them once a month? Are you gonna talk to them once a quarter? Are you gonna talk to them once or twice a year? Are you gonna do that? And what bucket are they gonna be in? And force yourself to get into this system where you're reaching out to these people. Remember, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in any business is top producers take action. Download your database, Start with this framework, who they are, what, how, where, and when, and then take action and start your Pinger system. Guys, take action on that today.